This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time to talk some blues hockey. Welcome to the Blues NHL podcast, hosted by former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and former Blues enforcer Darren Kimball. And we got a problem in front of the hog bench. Kimball pulling at Ronick. Here's Kimball swinging at Ronick wildly, and the linesman trying to get in between them. Federico stolen from Reinhardt, breaking in to Hunter. Hunter shooting, rebound. Jada Hall looking for 500. He shoots. He scores. Brad Hall, number 500. Oh, unbelievable oh, oh, save by Jake Allen. Tarasenko in the clear. He scores. And now here's your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday morning edition of your Blues NHL podcast. I'm your off-ice official, Jim Cromer. Let me welcome in my uh, my co-host uh, on the uh, celebrity line here from lineupmedia.fm, the one, the only, Jamie Rivers. What's going on, pal? Hey, boys. Morning. Uh, in the studio, uh, Tommy Brown with us today, back. Coach Butter. No Henson, though. I don't know if he's off uh, what he's doing, but he's out. Morning. I mean, Finally, Butter's shedding the dead weight. I was going to say. <laughs> Uh, Butter well, didn't like the fact that I asked him today how they were doing, so maybe that's yeah, what's going on. Yeah, there was a uh oh, that was a disappointing end to a good season. Oh boy, well that happens. Uh, these things happen. That Let's never happened to you, did it, Jamie? What's that? Yeah, that never happened to you, did it? Disappointing end. Yeah, <laughs> to a oh, good season. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost every other season felt like that way. Unfortunately, whenever you don't win your last game, or whenever. Uh, you don't win the cup. It's deemed a bad season, so it's 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 tough like that. Yeah, it was sudden because it did, we weren't expecting it at all. Um, now, uh, does it like you know Jamie? You know, with synergy hockey skills, they work with so many different people. Does like is this make recruiting a little tougher on you guys, Butter? Um, I don't get into the recruiting part except for when we travel. So uh gary does all the phone calls all the talking to the kids the families things like that i don't think it's going to hurt us um you know the the direction we've been moving over the last four years has just been a rocket so yeah i I don't i don't see it hurting us at all jamie when you're helping these young i mean you know a lot of these kids you've had since they were four or five years old and then you you know you kind of mentor them all the way up and they get into high school and they start looking at what they're going to do I guess you you got to help them, you know. I mean, I know you you do all that with all your with your athletes. Do you take a look more at the program as a whole, or is it a year to year thing with you when you're helping these kids? Uh, for me, it's definitely as a whole. You know, uh, especially if the coaching staff hasn't changed. If nothing, if there hasn't been any significant changes to any one uh, spot that they're looking at, then you take the you know, take the whole body of work into consideration. Uh, seasons. You know, tend to go up and down from time to time, but a program has a good history of developing players, of being honest, of doing right by the players of the kids, and 
you know, those things go a long way. And kids are, they understand that there's wins and losses. Uh, what they wanted to make sure of is that when they go somewhere, they can trust whoever they're going to play for. Well, that sounds like you're going to do all right then, Butter, because yeah. you're taking care of Jamie's boys that have been there so far. So I think you're all right there. Yeah, we're doing. We're going to be fine. And right now, it's time to focus on getting the grades going and finishing out this school year. Well, um, you know, speaking of following up and and moving on. I don't know how we top Monday, Jamie. Um, the fans have spoken. Um, you know, obviously, you have a very close relationship with Tony and was able to finally bring him along uh, on one of the shows. And it was a great setting, of course, being at Minner Arena. I mean, you know, we talk about the man cave and, and what an unbelievable uh, thing it is to see and be a part of. But um, I got to tell you, I you know, I've heard all I've heard story after story from you. We we you know, obviously. Uh, every one of us loved Tony Twist. I mean, it, you know, you felt, I don't know, I, I hate this, this sounds kind of goofy, but, you know, when you wore a blues jersey or a blue shirt and Tony Twist played for you, you wore it a little prouder, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, so, but he was way larger than life, even in person, for me as a fan. I, I mean, just, <laughs> you know, and I hear you tell stories sometimes off the air, because like you said, if we if we told all the stories, we'd need a dump button for a podcast, if you can imagine so. But, <laughs> but I mean, he was, I mean, I, I was in awe sitting next to him. It was, it, it was, and I've, I've told everybody, the one thing I've told, the one thing, until you meet him and shake his hand or something... His hands are huge. They felt like <laughs> brass massive. knuckles. They felt like brass knuckles. I couldn't believe that. I mean, I've been friends with Darren for a long, long time, and Darren's a big dude. Like like Tony said, man, he has got a, 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 a strong cranium, and he's got big hands too. But these hands on Tony Twist look like something straight out of a, a history book. I mean, it, it was amazing. It's funny. I know it's like uh, it's like literally if you took shoe boxes from the store and put them on the ends of your arms instead of hands, and that's pretty much what Twister's fists look like. So I can just imagine. Uh, I had the good fortune of never having to be hit by one, uh, so I can not, just imagine what that feels like. Not even after a few cocktails late at night, huh? Because it sounds like he liked no, to, uh, no. to hit his friends after a few cocktails, which <laughs> is no, all in good fun, no. of you course. Know what? You know what? Here's the thing about Tony is, uh, and people who really know him well, and I'm very fortunate to, to call him one of my best friends, is he's so different in different situations like you know you get him alone and let's say we're working on a truck or something we're doing something at his house and it's his patience level is incredible like so where i'm throwing wrenches and screwdrivers and wanting to break stuff because i can't get it to come off or work or go on properly he'll sit there for like an hour and tinker with the most tedious shit that i've ever seen and i'm like i'm going crazy looking at it and he's as calm as can be so uh, trust me, that's uh, it, it's almost scarier, I think, because he's so controlled that when you see him out of control, you're like, oh, my God, is this guy losing it? But, no, nah, look, it, Twister's an awesome guy. He's got a massive heart. He's helped me out so much. I'm telling you right now, Synergy Hockey and everything that I do would not have been possible had it not been for Tony Twist. And the reason I say that is that guys leave the game. And it's really difficult sometimes to find your, your groove after you leave something that you've done your whole life. And Twister, you know, he had his windshield business, still does. It's a very great business. Um, 
but I didn't really have anything going on. It was kind of in and out of certain things. And so literally he just said, Hey, why don't you come and hang out? Let's go work on trucks. Let's change some windshields. Let's just get back to hanging out and having some fun. And by doing that, we got to talk every day and whatnot. And he got to the point where he's like, look, obviously windshields is not your future. He's like, what do you really like doing? And we discussed uh, a project like Synergy Hockey. And then before I knew it, I, you know, had started to develop some, I guess, the foundation of building Synergy Hockey and whatnot. And Tony was helping me, not financially, by any means. He was helping me just get my shit together, really. And... Had it not been for him, I probably wouldn't have taken the proper steps to to get that business up and going. And so, you know, a guy like Tony sometimes takes some heat because, uh, you know, he's larger than life or that, you know, people see this persona that he was on the ice and whatnot. But he deserves a lot of credit for doing a lot of really good things for not just me, but a lot of people in St. Louis that don't even realize he's doing it. Oh, that's awesome. Like I said, he was at a, like I said, I was in awe sitting next to him. He was, I mean, the energy was off the charts, obviously, and the fans loved it. So now the challenge is this, Jamie, because the bottom line is this. We haven't played a hockey game in almost a minute. Butter and I are just sitting here going, have we really not played since Saturday during the day? We haven't. I mean, I don't, how many five-day breaks are we going to get, number one? Number two, I mean, we can talk about the Blues today because I'm, I'm sure our fans are still trying you to figure out. You want another story, don't you? Well, bro? I was going to say, how do you top this thing? Because I'm telling you, we have never had fan reaction. I, you're, I, I tell you what, you've got, your, you've got two problems here. Number one, you've got to come up with a story today worthy of following up the Tony Twist interview. And then I, <laughs> the only thing I can think of, there's only two guys that wore a blue note that I think you can follow up as far as guests are concerned, and one was number 16 and one was number 99. So good luck, which I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you could pull them both off. But today, for today's time, you've got to come up with a story that can properly follow up monday so i'm putting you on the spot right now here's a story here's a story i thought he was going to bring up which he did not or or we maybe we ran out of time because he was he was on a roll there is this Um, a twitter alert or do i need a dump button for this one are we good no 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 this one's fine it's funny most uh, well i shouldn't say most people some people know of it but we it's it includes tony and we're teammates and we're playing out in la in the playoffs and I don't know if you guys remember, I'm sure some of the fans will remember the series where Jeff Cortnell ran over Jamie Storr and we come back and won the game and swept the series. Yeah, um, everybody remembers that. Yeah, so that's, you know, I'm, that's where we are at that time. Tony and I are in L.A. Uh, we're staying at the Lowe's Santa Monica Hotel, and if anybody's ever been there, it's literally right on the boardwalk. You get out of the back of the hotel, and you're right on the boardwalk, and Venice Beach is just down the boardwalk, just down the road. So if you've ever been there, like there's thousands of people that are rollerblading back and forth along the boardwalk and and the trails that they have from Venice Beach, Muscle Beach, all that, all the way back into Santa Monica. Well, Twister and I thought it would be funny one day to rent some rollerblades and go rollerblading. (laughs) And so we get out there, and little did we both know that we both had picked out some outfits for rollerblading because we were both trying to be funny. And apparently uh, we almost did the same thing. Twister had put on some Larry Bird-looking shorts and some some socks and whatnot. And uh, when I came out to meet him, I had been I put on some spandex for pants, uh, a headband, no shirt, 
and there may have been may have been a couple of dress socks stuffed down the front of the spandex to look really funny in a shape <laughs> that I'm sure you can imagine. And so we're both laughing, and of course some of the teammates are like, what is wrong with these guys here? Uh, one being Jim Campbell, who was like, I am not going anywhere near this. And so we go out and rent our rollerblades, and we start rollerblading down towards Muscle Beach. And now you have to picture this. This is two hockey players on rollerblades, and you think that would be a you know a, a, not a big deal, but rollerblades are a different animal than ice skates, and it's they're not on a flat ice surface. You're rollerblading along concrete, and people have like drink cans and all sorts of crap all over the place that you're trying to avoid, let alone other people that are biking, running, or rollerblading. So. Twister and I are in our costumes rollerblading down towards Venice Beach, and we decide, hey, we're going to roll in here and check out this tattoo parlor. Well, we had forgotten, of course, that we're dressed up like buffoons, uh, and so we roll into, literally roll in to this tattoo parlor, and the guy looks at us. I'm sure he was like, what the hell just came into my tattoo shop? And he looked at us kind of weird, and then we looked around, and there's Dennis Rodman is in there. And so now Dennis Rodman, we had crossed paths a few years before while in Anaheim. He has a bar out in Anaheim, and so quickly we became reacquainted, and Twister was there. And so all three of us decided to get tattoos on Venice Beach that day. And so to this day... Tony and I both have what we'll call them, back in the day they weren't called this, but they're tramp stamps. Uh, we have them on our lower backs. <laughs> and my uh, the tattoos we have match not completely, uh, but certainly they, they you can tell that they were maybe done at the same time, as well as Dennis Rodman decided to get another one that day on his body to look quite the same. So the guy, there's a picture floating around somewhere that I'd have to find, but there's it's the three of us with fresh tattoos at this place, and Twister and I are in our costumes or get-ups and headbands on and things like that, and Dennis Rodman is in the picture with us. So imagine doing that and then rolling or rollerblading back to the hotel and trying to explain this to all your teammates now. We're middle of a playoff series, so kind of a fun time out there and, and certainly a, a memorable story, to say the least. I can only imagine you two guys rollerblading down to Muscle Beach. Did anybody, I mean, I, it, you know, out there, it, did anybody even know who you were? Did anybody ever recognize you guys? No, I mean, we just look like two more freaks for the show out there. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been around Muscle Beach or Venice Beach, but there's a lot of characters as far as, you know, people out there. Um, so we kind of blended in, which was funny. Uh, the only thing that stood out certainly was once we're sitting there hanging out with Dennis Rodman, um, you know, uh, the three of us together, people were kind of gathering around a little bit and taking a look. But now, a good thing we managed to stay under the radar. I imagine in today's world with social media, we would have been outed probably pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I'm picturing the scene in Fletch where he's rollerblading down the beach, <laughs> dressed up as Jesus. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. Like, I can only imagine... I mean, and I'm sure that's one of a thousand stories, but I can't imagine have, you know, being in the situation you guys were in with a guy like that and not having fun. I, and again, after meeting him, I've, you know, you've talked on here numerous times and you've said you were able to do your job on that team because it was a whole lot easier knowing 
number 18 was on the bench and after seeing him oh my and, god and, and and under i get it now i mean it, it makes 100 percent sense I, I don't know. I, oh yeah, you walk into you walk into any room and you feel three inches taller. You walk, uh, you, you know, you strut into any opposing barn and you feel two or three inches taller. Like it's it's crazy. And you know, you got to meet him and see he's energetic and and you know he's full of life. And you know, imagine trying to contend with that if you're you know some opposing player. And now you've got some ass like myself running around like crazy taking shots at all your best players or your tough guys and now you know that the silverback gorilla is just waiting to crawl over the boards drag his knuckles over and pound you over the head it's probably a pretty uneasy feeling i'm sure um you know i i was able to mention on the show for me that there's no doubt that my favorite twist moment i love i mean i loved the philadelphia game where he Tried to get Lindros to fight him, butter. You got a favorite Tony Twist moment? The yeah, that Philadelphia game where he st- talks about standing out in the uh, concourse fixing a stick. That is a great, unbelievable <laughs> that, that story. Was, uh, that was a good one. Yeah, that is. Well, I, there's another one like that that we didn't get into, and I thought he was going to head down that road, but uh, we were playing obviously here in St. Louis. Uh, and we had played against Pittsburgh earlier in the year, and a, uh, a fellow by the name of Frankie LaRue. Uh, he's like he was six seven back in the day, uh, a fighter, pretty tough guy, but certainly after meeting Twister, like he's all he's like six feet tall at best, and so six seven that's a big that's a big difference. And anyways, they end up in a fight, and Frankie caught him with one. And it didn't, like, hurt him or anything. It just sort of, you know, it it, it made him flinch a little, and he kind of went down to a knee. And, it, you know, Twister, that's one that he wouldn't like to remember. However, now, as we move forward past it, the next time Pittsburgh was in town to play us here, Twister, you know, the morning skate, you have both teams at skate. Well, usually the home team skates first, and the visiting team skates second. And that's just the way it is. Well, we had finished skating, and Twister was in the weight room after, and he'd getting all jacked up, and then literally walked out in just a pair of, like, workout shorts. He walked out onto Pittsburgh's bench, so not even our bench, walks down the hallway out onto the Pittsburgh bench and stands there without a shirt on with his arms crossed, just staring down Frankie LaRue during the morning skate. <laughs> and so imagine being that guy where – you look over, and this guy that's as wide as he is high, his arms are the size of legs, his hands are the size of shoeboxes, and he's literally got steam coming off the top of his head. He's over there staring you down at 10.30 in the morning. You don't play till 7.30 at <laughs> night. That's a long day of sitting there trying to get comfortable going into that evening. I tell you what, there's no pregame nap happening there. Um, and you know, at that point that night, Frankie didn't want to fr- fight Twister, so twi- Twister went after him, and Frankie tried to turtle, and Twister picked him up off his feet or off the ground, and you know, uh, certainly didn't want any part of it. Uh, but I can understand why he probably ran through that fight ten thousand times in his head that day, and then kept remembering this. I always call him the Silverback, my buddy there, the Silverback standing over there with his arms crossed, staring at him. Yeah, that's what his hands look like, his arms. I mean, he it's it's freaking. You know, I got to ask you, Jamie. We've talked about on the show. There's no doubt, and and Butter, I'd love to know your thoughts on this too. 
there's no doubt St. Louis and Darren mentions this all the time. It's a blue collar town. They love a good effort and they love a blue collar player. And it has been evidenced over the years. They love the guys just as much as the superstars that work hard, block shots, fight, play the role. They they were they love them, right? This is how this town is. My guess is, I I, I don't know because I don't live anywhere else. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but I would have to believe it kind of is because that's kind of the hockey fan. But does it shock you? And, and really, what I I meant what I said earlier. I'm really not sure. For us as a show, to be completely honest, I'm not sure. We would garner as much attention from fans and their enjoyment. Stop short of sixteen and ninety nine. Does that shock you, or does that, or does that not surprise you at all, Jamie? Well, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, there's only a handful of cities that I've played in where the tough guys are as admired as they have been in St. Louis. And like Tony Twist, look, the guy did so much. Like I kind of touched on it earlier, how many charity events this guy's done. I mean, he's bent over backwards to raise millions of dollars in St. Louis for things that people don't even realize that are going on. And so people really admire and respect that part of it. They love the fact that at one point they had the biggest badass in the NHL that nobody wanted to go near. They had him in St. Louis. And you know what? When they walked into a bar and saw him, they could shake his hand and talk to him. And he'd probably crush a beer with them. People loved that about Tony Twist. And so, yeah, is he one of the biggest stars? Quite honestly, I think the only guy that would eclipse him, and I love Wayne Gretzky and I played with him and for him and all this stuff, and he's the greatest player to ever play the game. But in St. Louis, I think the only guy that could eclipse him as far as personality and that star power is Brett Hall. I mean, Tony Twist was a meat and potatoes player. Uh, He'll make fun of himself more than he should about his playing ability, but he did get himself all the way to the NHL, and he wasn't just a fighter. He could still participate and, and give us a regular shift. He chose to do his job. Uh, but, you know, that's a guy that, you know, he didn't score a lot of goals. But And he actually didn't have that many fights when you look back at it in his St. Louis career because nobody wanted to fight him. So imagine having that kind of clout, and really all you had to do is exist. That's pretty cool. Butter for you as a fan. I mean, is there? I and you listen. You know a lot, and we've talked a little bit about it. And just to remind people, Tommy Brown was a hell of a hockey player. Coach Butter, he was a hell of a hockey player. Played jun, you know, played juniors in St. Louis. You coached at a high level. And I mean, um, you refereed at a high level. Correct. And and now you're coaching college hockey, so you know your shit. To be completely honest, and the reality of it is, you like hockey, like everything about hockey. So, you know you're not as goofy with it as I am. Like, I'm a fan, right? Like, I played hockey, but not like you. I mean, I love hockey, right? Like, I just love hockey. You know a lot about it from all sites, all all views. Does that, I mean, for you, is there another guy besides 16 that wears a blue note that probably intrigues you more to hear talk about it? I mean, I, it, it's amazing to me. Not not in, the, in these days, but, I mean, you know, going back to the early days of, you know, the Sutters, the Gary Youngers, and things like that. Those are, you know, totally different times. And, you know, that was a, you know, and going back to what you were saying about a blue-collar town, I mean, you take a, a freaking barn and put a rink in it, and then we've got bowling for dollars in the uh, in the parking lot there. That's where that whole <laughs> thing comes from, you know. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's funny 
because it's funny for you to say Brian Sutter. I think one of my favorite things about the interview was the when when uh, when they went to uh, and I don't I can't remember if you were there with him or if that was right before you got drafted. Well, when you guys went, camp? when you yeah, and you guys went to the hotel and Brian Sutter came in. Yeah, and, the Clayton. Yeah, and, and Holiday Inn and Clayton. I mean, if you're a guy, like seriously, if you're a hockey player, and again, I, I, I don't, I don't even want to have a conversation about whether or not you thought Brian Sutter was a was was a good hockey player. I don't care if you thought he was a good coach. I really don't care because the bottom line is this: if you didn't love who Brian Sutter was, then I don't know how you're a Blues fan because he was Blues hockey. To be completely Absolutely. honest with you, right? So, yeah, I agree. If, so, if you're a hockey player like yourself or like Tony Twist, and this guy comes in and that's his speech to you, how can you not want to go out and run through a wall? I mean, I can only imagine, like, the look in Tony's eye when he was telling the story, because he kind of looked at me. He almost had this look in his eye, like he wants to right now go with with Sutter and do this thing. Like, it was amazing to me, absolutely amazing to me. Well, a lot of times when you go to training camp, it's it's a weird time, right? Especially for we'll call them, you know, we'll, we'll call them grinders, so fighters slash hitters slash you know those guys. There, it's difficult because you don't want to run around and hurt the existing players. You don't necessarily want to run in there and beat the crap out of existing players because. You know, like, what if that's not what the coach wants? You know, what if then he sends you where the hockey news can't find you because you beat up player X and you shouldn't have? And so for for Brian Sutter to say that, to literally, you know, release the Kraken at that point, <laughs> it was great because now the guys, and I know what Brian was doing, and I wasn't there. That was before my time. Um, and I'll speak to that a little more in a second about Brian Sutter, but but that moment was Brian Sutter letting everybody on his current team know that nobody has a job for sure. And he was letting everybody know that was looking for a job that, Hey, we're accepting applications at this point. And so, like he said, if you're a goal scorer, score, if you're a defenseman, defend, if you're a goalie, stop the puck, if you're a fighter, fight. All that meant was do your damn job really good. And you have a chance to make this team. And so for a guy like Tony sitting there, it was like, wow, the light doesn't get any greener for him to go out and do what he does best. And, you know, Twister, let's just be honest here. Out of all the fighters I've ever played with, not many, okay, if any, barring Twister, has ever said, well, I really enjoyed my job. And I'm not kidding you. Like, even the Bob Proberts of the world and, and, and this stuff, like, uh, you know, uh, it was a job, and it was never, you know, I didn't love it, and, you know, I was uneasy about it. We talked, we touched on Todd Ewan, you know, just never, unfortunately, never mentally really embracing that role. And let's be honest, it's a tough role to embrace. Like, who wants to go out there and get punched in the face, break your hand possibly, or get knocked out in front of 20,000 people? And never mind if TV's covering. Like it's a really, it's a, it's a psychological warfare at the same time. And so, you know, then you've got this one guy standing over on an island, all by himself, waving his arms, going, you know, hey, I'll do it. I like it. I'll do it. And that's Twister. And he did. He loved his job. He loved the the everything that went into it. He loved intimidating the opposition. He loved fighting. He loved getting the crowd into it. He loved protecting his teammates. So, you know, you've got this guy that just loves that role. And then Brian Sutter, like I said earlier, he released the Kraken. And that's how 
you know, the, the whole Tony Twist thing evolved was being able to do that. Brian Sutter letting him do that. And I'll tell you what, getting back to Brian Sutter, when I played in the Winter Classic, the alumni game, and I had never played for Brian Sutter. I'd met him. I, you know, certainly all this stuff, the hockey world, we, we crossed paths, yada, yada. I'd never played for him in a Blues uniform. And we got to the alumni game, and this guy is awesome. Like, we're all kind of having fun before. And Chrome's, you remember, like, we're running around, there's interviews going on. Guys are, you know, shooting the breeze, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's like, okay, everybody, you know, shut up. And everybody's kind of like, what? You know, and then he was like dead serious. He had that Sutter look in his eye. You're like, okay, he's going to, like, pick up a chair and smash over my head if I don't stop telling jokes here. And so then he goes through the lineup, and he had made some lineup changes. <laughs> and, you know, like, originally – it was supposed to be myself and Jeff Brown as partners because we're both from Ottawa. We both played in Sudbury together. We both drafted the Blues. He's a right shot. I'm a left shot. You know, that whole ordeal. Well, Sutter went and changed the lines and ended up putting me and Jackman together because he thought, well, these guys here are going to be our youngest guys. They're going to be our most able guys. So I want to play them against, you know, whoever ends up being the best for the other team. But that was like where he was at. He he shifted guys around in the lineups. He at one point was talking about putting Gretzky on the wing. It's like it was awesome. I was like, I love this guy because even in a, a moment of fun and uh, you know this unique setting, he was taking it seriously and he wanted to win. And he even said, you know, at the end of it, he's like, listen, boys. You're playing for the St. Louis Blues. We're in St. Louis, and we won't lose to the goddamn Chicago Blackhawks in St. Louis. <laughs> I, when you told me that, when you told me that, I couldn't believe it. In fact, I think um, we were, if I'm not mistaken, we were at the uh, we were at rookies, and Cam Jansen came by, and he was helping us out with our event we were having, and he said, and, and he had come in, and I said, well, how was it? Because you guys had had, had skated that morning. And he's like, oh yeah. And he's like, it, 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 you just can't believe it. Sud, Sudsy's not messing around. He told us flat out. And I was like, are you serious? And then I asked you, and you're like, oh yeah. No, he's not messing around. He's changed. We had all these lines. We were going to do this and do that. And he said, oh no, oh no, no. We don't lose to the Blackhawks at home. No, we don't do it. I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I was, it was just awesome. I love it. I, and again, I, you know, he was a coach. Coaches always come under fire if the team doesn't do well. It's the coach's fault. You know, I'm sure even though Brian Sutter scored quite a few goals in a Blues uniform, it probably wasn't enough for people. They wanted more offense. And then, you know, that's fandom. I get that, right? But you cannot not appreciate Brian Sutter and the way he played the game. And um, thinking about that point of it, i got to ask you, could Brian Sutter coach today, today's player, Jamie? Nah, probably not. You know, and, and look at no disrespect to Brian Sutter. There's a couple of things here, okay? If we're if we're gonna play fantasy land here, like we'd like to talk about, and we just take Brian Sutter, the coach from, you know, way back when, and plop him into behind a bench without any huge break from being behind a bench, maybe, okay? Because he would adjust, he would adapt. I think that he'd be a lot like a John Tortorella to where he's had to educate himself, bring in some younger people, kind of understand the modern-day player. Um, but at this point, like, it would be really tough. Obviously, Brian was a coach that challenged people, and not just like your average, you know, your average coach challenges. Like, he would get in your face and, like, physically challenge you. And I just think that, you know, the game has changed. And I don't want to say the modern-day player would crumble under those circumstances. But 
I'd have a hard time believing. And Butter, you could speak to this because you're you're coaching collegiate kids right now, and it's a different animal, certainly. Uh, but can you imagine, like Brian Sutter, like in the back in the day, pick up a hockey stick and he'd smash it over the stall over your just above your head and like shake the broken end in your face and basically call you out. Like Butter, can you imagine that happening in your locker room these days? No, no. I I mean I I think we've even tried <laughs> it and it it just does not work with these guys. Really? No. They, no, they shut it they, down. They yeah, they will shut down. They'll they'll after your speech they'll walk out to the to the hallway and just be all quiet and it, it doesn't pick them up it, it shuts them down you know I, yeah and i think it, sorry go ahead no i was gonna say i is some of it too like and i remember this you know because like i said man i i loved it and i and i was at an age where you know am sports talk in st louis kind of started blowing up besides kmox you started having all those sports stations pop up and i that's when kevin slayton came of you know there was there were you know everybody was throwing out trade ideas every day that were the silliest things you ever heard and that was kind of i was you know at that time 19 20 years old 21 going to blues games but I, i remember hearing all the time that the brian sutter stuff part of the reason why it worked then was because players at that time they used to say now like some of the players would say this how can you how can you look at Brian Sutter and look what he's asking you to do and not give it to him because you knew what he was it wasn't like here was a guy that didn't know what he was talking about this is this guy gave everything he had and as a player if you don't give everything you have how can you complain so do you think we've just kind of gotten so far gone from that style of hockey that that mentality just isn't there anymore with today's player well i think that yeah i mean you're you're not wrong that's for sure um but it's much like we've discussed earlier this season just about leadership in general like if we just take away the head coach let's talk about a team captain and you know i've always said that some of the greatest captains i've ever played for steve eiserman was right at the top of the list and it's not because he was always in the top 10 in scoring what Steve Eiserman did out there was he played through injuries that nobody even knew about. He had, you know, a quarter of an inch sawed out of his leg because there was a problem with it and he had to readjust it. And he played on one leg shorter than the other at the end of his career and battled through it. He had smashed up teeth and face. And I could go on and on and on and people don't realize because Steve Eiserman never said anything. He just played through it. And he would lay down in front of an Al McKinnis slap shot. And I know that because I was playing with McKinnis at the time. And I'm watching Steve Eisenman lay down in front of a McKinnis slap shot and block it. And so what you're describing is exactly how it was with the Red Wings is how do you tell Brian Sutter, how do you tell Steve Eisenman that you're not going to go out there and do those things when they'll do it themselves? And Brian Sutter was that player, like undersized to be as tough as he was. He fought anybody that ever came near him or looked at him cross-eyed. He fought anybody that ever touched his teammates or he'd stick them or run them. And then he'd go and put the puck in the net. He'd block shots. He'd kill penalties. He'd take the big face-offs. Like, this is a guy that you, know, you want to talk about, you know, the, the ultimate St. Louis Blue. God, he's got to be in the list. He's got to be, you know, a, as you dwindle it down, he's got to be in the bottom three or the top three, rather, of all-time Mr. St. Louis Blue that did everything for the team. So how do you not perform for that guy is my question. You know, uh, it's interesting. We're on to the Sutters now, but they, that's an interesting deal. I mean, if you really think, how many brothers were there? Do you remember? Fifteen. Fifteen brothers. <laughs> no, I, oh, no, 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 no. No, they, there were seven, seven brothers. Yeah, seven. 
seven brothers and six of them played in the NHL. And the seventh one could have played, but decided he wanted to work on the farm instead. I, I mean, that's amazing. And and did you it's know? Crazy, have you it? met them all? Have you met them all, Jamie, at one time or another, or most of them anyway? You know what? I haven't met them all. I played <clears throat> played with Ronnie here in St. Louis. He was still around uh, at the beginning of my career. Uh, Richie was already gone. I played in Florida. On Dwayne Sutter was the assistant coach, or sorry, Brent Sutter was the assistant coach. Dwayne. I had met Dwayne uh, before when I was with the Islanders because obviously he had won all the cups there. We did some events when I was playing at the Islanders and uh, and whatnot. And I'd met Daryl uh, just through the years. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's hard to keep track of them all as it is, let alone remember who the heck I met and whatnot. But, you know, they're all cut from the same mold pretty much. I mean, the mom and dad and, and the farming and all that. Like, Brian's still back there farming today. And it's crazy, you know, he's still getting up early in the morning, still doing all the chores and still doing all the things that he was doing eons ago. That's amazing. I, it, those types of things amaze me. I mean, I think most people know I do the Cardinal thing with Benji Molina. I mean, three catchers, three three brothers, all in the major leagues at the same time. That's just – and then the Sutters, that many, playing in the biggest league in the world. And it takes so much to do it. And again, Butter, I know you're, you and I are looking at one another because we went through that stage where we thought guys like Richie Sutter weren't very good and Ronnie, you know, what are these guys doing? And, you know, the reality of it is I, I, I have to believe being smarter, a little bit smarter today than I was 25, 30 years ago, these guys would, they, they'd kill you. I mean, they would literally separate you from the puck in some way, somehow, and play as hard as they possibly could for 60 minutes. I mean, yeah. there's no other reason why some of these guys lasted as long as they did in the league other than coaches could count on them to give them their absolute max effort for 60 minutes every night. I mean, because some of them didn't have the, the quote-unquote numbers that a couple of the other brothers, you know, it's just not everybody is that player, but the effort, I can't think of anything else. Can you, Jamie, of what it was about them that were so attractive? Because let's face it, man, a couple of them just kept cycling through other teams, man. Every trade deadline, it seemed like, okay, we need a Sutter on this team. We need a guy like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, look, at the, the having those types of players um, – you know, that's why these guys were so successful is not many people can do it. And teams crave those kinds of players. And right now, NHL lineups would love to have them. So, in my opinion, uh, these guys just gave it everything they had. So, yeah, a guy like Sutter, any one of them, pick the last name Sutter, and you've got a guy that you know. You already know the chemical makeup of that player just because of the last name. Interesting stuff. I mean, and, you know, go ahead, Butter. And that could be, uh, you know, a changing the the whole philosophy of hockey is that you got a, a family of farmers that you know they had that farm job to do every day get up take care of everything and then go play hockey to where now you know the game's so much focused you know it's such a big money game that your your main job is to play hockey from high school well from younger than that but if you're a prospect it's just to play hockey on Am I wrong with that? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, 
the, the main thing is that you want to be a hockey player. You want to make sure you give it everything you got. Sometimes you get sidetracked with things. Sometimes things happen. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to have that want, that desire to just be the hockey player, to go out and do what's best for the team, to do what's best for your teammates. Uh, sometimes that gets lost uh, at times, and we, we worry about things outside of our control, outside the game. Um, but when it comes down to it, your job is to be a hockey player. Your job is to get out there and do everything you can to help the team win. And I think that if everybody had that attitude, more teams would be successful. Well, I can I can tell you that uh, I you know let's move let, let's talk a little bit about the Blues. I mean, I know the stories are great and everything, and people are really enjoying them. But probably much more than the way the Blues season has went. But let's talk a little bit about the Blues. And I'll say this. Um, Jamie, could the Blues use a guy like a like a, a Sutter type player right now to change the chemistry a little bit in the locker room and maybe on the ice? I mean, you know, I'm not saying that that would make us a Stanley Cup contender, but when you're an organization that's like tried so hard for so many years to get to a certain level, and it seems like it eludes you, right? And you start looking at what's the end, what's the net problem here? Like we have players that can do this. We we you know this ownership group has spent money, they've invested, they've made choices, they've done this, they've done that. I mean, at some juncture, are we missing the boat? And maybe it is a culture thing that we need to do. I mean, what a I mean, I can't imagine a Sutter walking into this locker room right now and things not changing immediately. Yeah, it's tough. You know, it, it, look, it's easy for us right now in hindsight to say, oh, yeah, well, right now they need that guy. You know, 25 games ago, would we have said that? I don't know, maybe because we were kind of seeing some of the things. But in general, let's just generalize it. Like moving into next year, yes, you want that guy. I think that those guys are, are showing just how much they're worth in a hockey club. You talk about championship teams that are winning, and they talk about guys that are those little missing pieces that add that little bit that you're like, wow, had we not had this guy, we wouldn't have been able to, you know, overcome these obstacles or, you know, he's just a solid worker. So I never, ever think that having a player like that is a bad idea. I think that uh, having too many of them on one team can change your dynamic as well to where your culture shifts to where you don't have enough of the dynamic stuff to win hockey games. However, that, I guess that's the ultimate question, right? Or the ultimate problem that happens for GMs is how are we going to make up our team? What is the chemical makeup of our team? We got one, two, three, four goal scorers. We need one, two, three uh, checkers. We need these guys, you know. And so when you're putting your roster together, then, yeah, I think you'd like to have one or two of those guys in your lineup so that at least you know that there's that influx of that intensity or that, that attitude on a regular basis. You know, as we, we sit here, you know, I'm looking at the standings. You know, Butter and I were talking a little bit about it before we went on air. You know, the Blues, you know, it doesn't look great. You know, they're currently sitting um, out of a playoff spot. It's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility that they could go on a run here and, and, and find their game and, and make the playoffs, which we all know is important for ownership because, you know, they budget. You know, that money is, is not money they count on. That's money to help them. Which again, they should be helped. They've they've made the commitment and done everything asked of them, in my opinion. Um, but you know, you kind of wonder if this season were to end today and they're on the outside looking in. You start thinking about where did it go wrong? 
You know, and there'll be things that people will talk about that you can put on a stat sheet. Like, there's no doubt the the power play you know has been talked about all year long, and it's never gotten any better. Um, we've had some injuries, yes. We've had some players maybe not produce like we thought, but you know, if if there was one thing Jamie Rivers could magically wave his wand and fix on this team for the last what do we have left? Butter a month. Yep. Okay. If Jamie Rivers could wave his magic wand and fix one thing for the last month of the season, what would it be? Well, if we're doing this again, if we're doing the fantasy land thing, I wish we had Robbie Fabry. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, I know we're talking about systems. We're talking power play, penalty kill. But I really think Robbie Fabry is a 20 to 25 goal scorer in the NHL. And, I mean, I'm being, you know, on the a cautious side. I mean, he's a guy that people thought could get 30 to 35. And so if you had Robbie Fabry in your lineup, think about it for a second. You've got energy, you've got effort, you've got uh, some goal scoring, you've got speed. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to hit guys. So all those little things that we just talked about, you know, not that he has them in spades, but he certainly has those abilities within him. So, you know, I wish I could wave a magic wand and, and put Robbie Fabry in our lineup. Now, to move forward from that, I'd like to see the power play score more often because in today's day and age with the penalties the way they are, with the calls as tight as they are, with some of them, whether we agree with the way they call the game or not, the game is called tighter and sometimes you get three, four, five power plays in a night. And If you're not scoring one goal at least, then you've got troubles. And I think that that's what we're seeing on a regular basis, uh, unfortunately for the Blues, is that they're not putting the puck home at a percentage that's acceptable in the NHL today, a percentage that puts you in the win column more often than not. Um, so if they could ju- just fix one thing and get their power play up into you know, the top 12 in the NHL, top 14 in the NHL, I think you'd see a lot more wins for this team. You know, people are going to dissect it, break it down, try to figure it out. I, it seems odd to me that it's not very good. I mean, I mean Butter, you want any thoughts, like from a coaching standpoint, to what you see on the power play? That, bef- as a fan, that's a little more knowledgeable because, let's face it, you coach at, the, at, at a notchable level below. Uh, anything you see that, like maybe, I mean, I would love to hear you throw something at Jamie and Jamie maybe give you a thought on what he sees versus what you see from from that level. Because I'm going to tell you, I think fans are so frustrated with it because, I mean, it's like okay, you have a man advantage and it never to me as a fan. Okay, and this is me as the fan throwing it at both you guys. It feels like we're not even on a man advantage. That's what it feels like to me when I watch us on the power play. Right, and I I, I think where you what I see is. It, it, a lot of people are going to see, you know, the, missing the quality shots, missing, you know, the net a lot, things like that. I see that we don't get enough time in the zone. We're spending a lot of time breaking out of our zone, spinning it through the, the through the neutral zone, getting it down there, and then losing it. And then we got to go chase it back behind our net again. So the, just the the puck handling in our in the offensive zone is where I think there's an issue. Jamie, thoughts? Well, yeah, you know, we ha- we don't have a lot of clean entries um, into the offensive zone, and and certainly when we don't have clean entries, you got to have guys that are going to be hounding the puck to retrieve it. And certainly, the number one thing for penalty kill is you always want to say, well, we can outwork the power play. If we outwork the power play, we have a chance. And on the flip side of that is you say to your power play, you got to outwork the penalty kill. If you outwork them, you outnumber them, and usually we can capitalize off of that. 
what I see right now is that other teams' penalty kill, they're elevating their compete level slightly higher than what we have right now out there. And so, yeah, the entries are a factor, and puck retrieval is, is certainly up there as well. Where I think things get, the waters get muddied a little bit is we have a lot of really skilled hockey players. We really do. Like, if you look at the power play man for man, you're like, wow, that's some, that's some pretty talented guys on the ice. But I feel like sometimes we're looking for the bigger, better play. And anybody who's ever heard me coach before, kids, if my, any of my team kids are listening, they're going to go, oh, my God, we've heard that before. But it's true. And in times where your power play isn't as successful as you'd like it to be, a lot of times you, you tend to overthink, to overpass, to you know, want more of an easy goal. It goes the other way. What you need to do is simplify it. Limit yourself to two or three or four passes, easy passes, not through the box, not fast passes over sticks, like two or three fast passes, high to low, low to high, open up the box, get it to an area where you can pound the puck quickly and get two guys at the net. And you cause chaos that way. And if you watch the NHL highlights, anybody who's listening, watch at the end of the night. Go on to NHL Network and watch the highlights. And count how many goals are produced off of rebounds. The NHL today is a rebound league where everything gets produced off of rebounds, either the quick tap-in or the big rebound that goes to somebody who passes it all the way through the box now where there's an opening, and that guy slams it into an open net. The rebounds cause, or create rather, offense in this league. And if you're not shooting the puck, and like Butter said, if you're not hitting the net, it's one thing you can't get those rebounds. But two, if you're not there to retrieve the puck or if you're not shooting it, if you're not putting guys in front, you can't get these rebounds. You can't get those pucks. Therefore, guess what? You can't create the offense that you want. So, in my opinion, a little harder work on retrieving the pucks, the loose pucks, simpler plays, pucks to the net, and then you just got a battle. You know, how m- this is going to sound crazy, uh, and, and, I, and I know you've come to expect a little crazy from me from time to time, but I, am, I, am I nuts, though? The Blues might also be the unluckiest team I've ever seen. I mean, I, uh, seriously. Well, I don't know. I, I'm a guy that I firmly believe you create your luck, and uh, you create I, your yeah. bad luck at the same time. But, man, I, I don't, I, we have more goals go in off our guys' feet Pucks that I, I don't. Yeah, it, but you look around the league, Chromes. You can't tell me that the teams that are winning are just luckier. You know what no, I'm saying? No, I'm like not saying just, that. But you know, I. It's the hard work. If if things are going on off of our defense, if they're going off of our shoulders, off our legs, off our sticks, well, guess what? That's because other teams are putting the puck to the net. They're driving the front of the net. They're creating that chaos, and something's happening in order for that puck to generate itself into the goal. Yeah, no, I hear you. And like I said, so I'm not, not making really an excuse. I, I just, it just seems like I just watch things and I go, God, I, and to your point, I guess you make your own luck. And I, and I do agree with that as well. But I just, you know, I watch other hockey games and I don't see these things go on. And I'm just like, man, I just, whatever. Like I said, I mean, I guess you don't watch every team play every game or you would see more of it. But it just, I don't know. Like I said. It I, happens it, around the league. Um, and in my experience, the more you press as a team, meaning the, the harder you go towards the opposition's net, the more pucks you put at the net, the more 
nets that you're driving, the more you put guys in the blue paint, the more stuff happens. You know, you watch the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby, and, you know, he's behind the net, makes a play, try to pass to somebody, goes off a stick into the net, goes off a skate into the net, goes off a stick to a guy that's wide open. Like, you can't tell me that they're just luckier, you know, because what they're doing is they're generating pucks to that area, which cause a chance for luck, I guess. So maybe you're on to something there, slightly. Well, and and I am a bullet, and I do. I, I believe the whole you create your luck by effort. I believe that too. So you know, I, I you know maybe the effort's not good enough. And, let, and let's face it, I think we would all say at times for sure the effort has not been good enough. So, um, Jamie, I know we're we're running up against time with you, but I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, your friend and mine, and, and friend of the and obviously member of the show, Darren Kimball has tweeted out, and I'll get your thoughts on his tweet. Blues fans, I guess we can call the next three games do or die. And, you know, it's the dreaded West Coast trip. Um, you know, they're going to play all the, you know, they're going to play L.A., San Jose, and, uh, and Anaheim. Um, would you agree with his statement that it's put up or shut up time? These three games probably, you know, if you go out there and take, uh, what do you need? Four points out of the six? I'm thinking. Oh, well, six. I, let's be honest. You need six. I mean, uh, you're playing, you're playing all three teams with playoff implications in the Western Conference. That's the fact. You know, we're not in the same division as them. However, at any point in time, Anaheim's been popping in and out of the wild card spot to their division spot. San Jose is in our conference. LA's in our conference. LA's another team that's you know popping in and out of the wild card spot. So. These are three huge games. They're massive. Uh, I can't even, you know, if you go out there and you lose all three, it's over. It is. It's over. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I don't want to be that guy because mathematically somebody will crucify me here because they're like, whoa, it's not over, you know. this. But if you go out there and win all three and you pick up six points on the road, in my opinion, those are all four-point games. And I know they're not in the division, so I'm sure people have to be like, well, they're not divisional games, but they're conference games. And at any point in time, those teams are popping in and out of the wild-card spot, which makes them direct competition to us. So each of those games is so important. This right now, this really is, at this point, this is the season for the Blues, this road trip. They we make or break their chances of making the playoffs. Well... Sounds like you want to reply to that tweet. No shit, Sherlock. Sound good? Yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, Jamie, I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on today, talking blues hockey. Of course, uh, SynergyHockeySkills.com and NelsonLandServices.com, two of our uh, premier sponsors that are a big part of our show. We thank the Nelson family. Don't forget to check them out, NelsonLandServices.com. Five-star locally rated uh, ad, uh, landscaping company. Uh, you know, they do it for respectable prices. They do great work. You've seen, you know, their work all over the Ozarks, and now they're working here in St. Louis. Big fans of the show, so big in amateur hockey. And, of course, SynergyHockeySkills.com. Why don't you leave us uh, with just a note on uh, what's going on with Synergy Hockey, and then we'll see you on Monday. Uh, Synergy Hockey... We've got summer camps that are open for registration. I said it before, they're filling up quickly. We have a couple that are already sold out, and we have waiting lists that are are being produced right now. Uh, We also have St. Louis Blues hockey camps this summer. There'll be two different camps, one in June out in Afton and one in July at the Ice Zone where the Blues practice. Uh, Those will be St. Louis Blues youth hockey camps. So they're exciting. They always have lots of special things up for the kids. So get on to... SynergyHockeySkills.com. Click on Summer Camps. 
find one of ours or check out the St. Louis Blues camp and see if that was one you'd like to attend. Well, uh, looking forward to Monday as it will sure be nice to actually be able to talk about some games, uh, although I'm sure our fans are, uh, are loving the stories. So <laughs> there is no doubt that, uh, that um, the stories are, are, are just unbelievable. And, again, you get the – I, I got to go with butter on this and the thing that you said, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that you never see, you know, twist – and, and Lindros in the tunnel after the game, you know, twist going to the bench with LaRue. I mean, that stuff is unbelievable. I, honestly, I, I just I don't know where else you get that. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, I guess I'll see you in studio on Monday, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. That is Jamie Rivers. He never disappoints, as usual. Um, again, we appreciate him so much. Did a lot of talk about some things there. Obviously, we went on the bench on the bench with butter. Don't forget, uh, Tommy. Uh, you had kind of it's tax season. I know you're busy as hell, and I appreciate you coming by today. Um, you're kind of getting your website back in order. You can tell our listeners where they can learn more about you, and of course, really focusing on the tax planning now. But tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. Yeah, the uh, website is TommyBrown-EA.com. And, um, you know, like like Jimmy said, I'm more focused on helping business owners uh, reduce their taxes. Uh, with this year's uh, new tax laws, it's, it's important to know where you're going with your business um, and, and cut those taxes as much as you can, put enough money back in your pocket, create a better business for yourself. Well, I know we appreciate you, you know, being a part of the show. I know it was got a little hairy there for you and Gary, and you guys couldn't be on regularly. But I'm looking forward to you getting back on here. And I know it's not, I know you guys aren't happy about it um, because you'd much rather be playing, and I get it. But it'll be nice to have you guys back in studio on a regular basis. Plus, you know, um, you know, I think fans like the the breakdown from a coach's standpoint. Again, Jamie's done plenty of coaching too, but you know, you guys coach a different level, and you know, it is interesting to hear the different type of player that we have today. And let's face it, if you're getting a different type of player, so is the NHL. And that's just a fact. Oh, absolutely they are. And so. uh, it, it's it's tough to, to know how you grew up playing hockey and to adjust to what the today's hockey player is. And uh, not to say that there's anything wrong with them. It's just, it's just different. Well, I know uh, I know our listeners appreciate you doing it, so thanks so much. I uh, want to remind everybody to check out theinnovatedcompanies.com. Uh, we couldn't do the show without them, and everything that Randy and Stephanie Green do for us is amazing. They've got all three of their arms underneath that one umbrella at innovatedcompanies.com. Whether it's residential, commercial, industrial, they can help you with their innovative construction team. Get them involved from the beginning. You can save money, time, and energy by getting them involved from the beginning. They can save you so much as far as using their knowledge and and experience. Um, If you have heating and and cooling problems, which, let's face it, when it's cold, you have heating problems. When it's hot, you have cool. It's just, it's like clockwork, folks. These are your your guys. This is your team. InnovativeCompanies.com. And, of course, I always say this. If it's got anything to do with electricity, I'm not touching it. They're your guys. Trust me on this. Innovative Electric. So you got all three under one umbrella. InnovativeCompanies.com. Don't forget, 35 years experience, second-generation craftsman, and, of course, a full uh, a full man of his word. I tell you, he's, he's a man of honor, folks. If he tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Just a great, great guy. Love him to death. Um, again, I'm looking forward to seeing him this summer more when our kids are playing ball together. It's going to be an exciting time as he is. He's a tremendous human being. So, again, special thanks go out to them, um, You know our partners. Don't forget Adam's Smokehouse. Um, we appreciate everything they do uh, for the show bringing us uh, Minner Arena. Um, it's that time now. We're going to move into our segments. So, um, speaking of Adam's Smokehouse, let's go now to everybody's friend Dennis Minner with his 
his segment brought to you by Adam Smokehouse live from Minner Arena. Take it away, Dennis. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dennis Minner coming at you live from Minner Arena, sponsored by Adam Smokehouse, 2819 Watson Road. Man, I got to tell you all, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Adam Smokehouse had their Catch a Dream event this past weekend, and their goal was to raise enough money uh, to send two terminally ill children uh, on a fishing hunting trip of their dream. And guys, they exceeded uh, their expectations, and um, you guys helped raise uh, over $4,100 and cannot thank you enough for that uh, for Adam's Smokehouse. But man, I got to tell you, uh, while I was there, I had the smoked wings, absolutely amazing, smeared that cranberry uh, cayenne pepper uh, sauce all over it and uh, went to town. Go check out Adam's Smokehouse. But hey, got to tell you about a giveaway that we're doing uh, at Minner Arena. Go follow me on Twitter, at Minner Arena. And right now, we are giving away three signed hockey pucks uh, by Tony Twist, Jamie Rivers, and Darren Kimball. Uh, so go check me out uh, at Minner Arena, and uh, you can have uh, some information on how to win uh, those pucks. But let me tell you a little story. In 1996 is actually when I went to my first ever hockey game. And I can remember sitting at the hockey game. I was in college, and we were having fun, and we were, you know, uh, uh, drinking beer and and just kind of, you know, uh, experiencing everything and taking it in. And all of a sudden, this guy skates out onto the ice, and all of a sudden, for the first time, I hear – uh, back then it was the Kill Center. I he'll hear the Kill Center absolutely erupt, and this guy comes off the bench, drops his glove instantly, and starts beating the living crap out of somebody. And all of a sudden I hear people just screaming, you know, twist, and uh, they're just chanting his name. Now, that was in 1996. Fast forward 22 years, I never would have dreamed that Tony Twist would have been sitting uh, in my house in Minner Arena this past uh, Monday with Darren and Jamie uh, doing uh, the live recording of the podcast. And I've just got to brag about it for a second. I, I sat back and listened to those three guys. Uh, I would say I was listening to Jim also, Cromer, but as you heard in the podcast, I don't think he got two words in uh, once the twister started talking. But Tony Twist was um, – he was everything I thought he would be. It was the first time I met him. Uh, he's kind of this larger-than-life character on and off the ice. But, man, it was like um, – it was almost like I had a glimpse of old school hockey and just being able to experience what was probably talked about in the locker room before and after practice and before and after the games. And it was really cool to me to hear how uh, Darren Kimball and, uh, and Twist fought uh, more, you know, they, they, they fought more than, uh, than Tony had fought anyone else. And, to hear the respect they had for one another and the respect they had for other players. And I just don't know if we experience that anymore uh, to that level in hockey. Um, there's just this kind of lack of respect uh, going on. And, and, and I've got to, you know, I don't want to bring it up and hash it out again, 
But just the whole ordeal with Jamie Benn uh, sitting on our captain and kind of smearing his face. And, and like Jamie was saying the other day, Rivers was saying that it was just schoolyard bully antics. And, and I can tell you right now, none of my friends, even today, I would never allow one of my friends to be picked on like that. But, you know, we see that going on with this Blues team right now, and they're, they continue to struggle. A lot of people are saying the Blues don't deserve the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I don't know that – well, I, I, let me say on one hand, I do agree with that. I don't know that the players themselves uh, deserve a playoffs, but I think our city, uh, we need that playoffs. We need the revenue. Our team needs the revenue uh, as fans – Come on, it's still extended hockey for us. Do are we going to win the cup? Uh, no, uh, anything's possible. But here's the problem right now: we only have 75 points. San Jose 79, Colorado 77, Dallas 80, Calgary 76, LA 77, and we are playing three of those four teams coming up uh, in the next week. And I tell you what. Man, I, the Blues have got a got a tough road um, ahead of them, and um, <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss for words, guys. Um, and that's not usually like me, uh, but I really hope they do something. I hope this team can come together, and I hope they can pull something out. But hey, like I said, brought to you by Adam Smokehouse. Please go check out Adam Smokehouse, twenty eight nineteen Watson Rose. Uh, check out those smoked wings and let them know that Minna Arena sent you. Also, make sure and check out our Twitter, at Minna Arena. Uh, go see this contest we're having where we're giving away these pucks signed by Twist, River, uh, and Kimball. And uh, all you've got to do is follow us, like us, uh, and retweet that message. Uh, and, man, I hope we've got better news coming in the next week, and I hope we've snuck back into that wild card spot. But until then, guys, let's go Blues. Great stuff as always from Armin. And thank you so much for your hospitality on Monday. Your connections with Urban Chestnut and Lion's Choice, greatly appreciated. Lion's Choice providing us a great lunch. And, of course, Urban Chestnut with a few beverages that uh, went down awfully smooth. Uh, off camera, of course. It was good stuff. And again, uh, he does such a great job. He's such a, a passionate fan. Uh, agree with him, disagree with him, really doesn't matter. It's just an opinion, and it just sparks conversation, and that's what we're looking for here with our with our uh, uh, social media segment. So thank you very much, Dennis. Another guy that does a tremendous job, of course, is Brad Lee with his wonderful magazine, St. Louis Game Time Report. Uh, our St. Louis Game Times, the, the wonderful rag that he sells out in front of Scott Trade. They do such a wonderful job. Make sure you find them. They have their vendors uh, surrounded there around the Scott Trade. Or you can subscribe and get it in your mailbox. Hopefully we've got playoffs and it's, we're going to get extended here with our game time. But uh, make sure you check it out. St. Louis Game Time done by Bradley and all his friends that write wonderful articles, things that make you go, huh. So therefore, let's hear from our man, Brad Lee, with his St. Louis Game Time report. Hello, this is Brad Lee with the St. Louis Game Time segment on the podcast. How are you guys doing? Thanks for listening. St. Louis Game Time, where the fan-run paper sold outside every Blues home game since 1995. 23-year fan-run tradition. Outside the 14th Street doors, northeast corner of 14th and Clark, and outside the garage driveway attached to the stadium. Well, it's Thursday. The Blues are in San Jose tonight. Big game. Even bigger game Saturday against the Kings. Team, you're fighting with the playoffs uh, in the standings. A must-win game. Anaheim on Tuesday before a couple home games next week against Boston and the New York Rangers on St. Patrick's Day. Holy cow. If the Blues do moderately well between now and then, 
Uh, I think the BAC of the Scott Trade Center is going to be about a .15 by 7 o'clock start on St. Patrick's Day on a Saturday. But that's in a week. Let's talk about this week. Hey, the Blues haven't done anything since Saturday when they literally got pushed around by the Dallas Stars. Four days off, they, they go on a road trip, they come home to practice for three or four days, uh, then they fly out to San Jose for the game tonight. Weird part of the schedule. And, you know, I know a lot of Blues fans complain about how every March, you know, there are events that happen, the Missouri Valley Conference this year, the SEC tournament, they've had wrestling championships, the Frozen Four, gymnastics, Disney on ice. Hey, it helps pay the bills. Uh, if you want the Blues to be able to spend to the cap, then that building has to be busy. And one of the busiest times a year for indoor sports arena in the Midwest is college basketball time. Uh, the Blues, you know, St. Louis could even have uh, NCAA tournament games uh, next week. They don't, uh, but you know, two two conference valid two conference tournaments in a row means uh, some some time away from home, which is you know, which is fine. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, I'm the, the Blues haven't lost a game since Saturday. You know, in in overtime where they got dominated overtime, by the way. So. I don't know, maybe I'm more optimistic. Maybe I'm a little more neutral than I was, say, Saturday afternoon or Sunday or even Monday. You know, life goes on. You don't see them for a while, and all of a sudden those losses don't seem as bad because they haven't had another one. So they get pushed around in San Jose tonight, and I'm sure my mood will be much different tomorrow heading and then Saturday heading into the Kings game. You know, a lot has been made about Jamie Benn, the captain of the Stars, who got the game winner in overtime and then broke his stick over his knee. Kind of a douche move, if you ask me. Uh, I, there was a time in the game where there's a play in the corner and Petrangelo falls down and Ben sits on him and kind of puts his glove in his face and wipes his glove on the captain's face. and It, it kind of went viral. There was a Photoshop where... It, Jamie Ben was sitting on 27 on a on a bus bench waiting for the bus. It it, <laughs> it looked pretty realistic. I, I laughed. Uh, you know, it's it's led to a lot of people, a lot of people saying that 27 shouldn't wear the C for the Blues. In the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Yeah, you you hope the guy who's captain is the is the tone setter is the example that the younger guys who get called up, the younger guys who join the team, you know, take a take their cues from. That the older guys, you know, rally around and say, hey, we got to listen to Petro, we got to listen to the captain, the captain's talking, listen to the captain, the captain's right. I don't know if that's going on. I'm not in the dressing room. There's lots of reports about dissension in the dressing room. Hey, they've been struggling for months now. They've fallen down the standings out of the playoffs at the moment. Of course there's going to be dissension. Of course there's going to be some hard feelings. Of course it's not going to be kumbaya. This is a great team. This is a great situation. We all love each other. We're playing for each other. They're not. I mean, you can see that every night. Every night they have a game, except when they have four days off. Is that enough to change the captaincy? No. Petrangelo is going to be here for a while. Uh, he's got a couple years left on his contract. He's probably going to sign an extension, I would assume. He's kind of probably going to be the captain for five to seven years, I'd say. At least. At least. You know, there was a time where the captaincy in St. Louis uh, changed a lot. 
you know, they had Brett Hall, and then uh, they they gave it to Wayne Gretzky, and then they gave it to Shane Corson, and, and you know, they, they they handed it around a lot. <laughs> they they gave it to Pronger. McKinnis was the captain for a while. Dallas Drake. I mean, it seemed like every two years the Blues were changing captains. Then David Backus had it for a while, and and then. Petra is probably going to have it for a while. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. And to say that he doesn't have the right personality or the right mindset or the right temperament, that's just crap. That's just making excuses. That's just trying to figure out, oh, I know what's wrong with the Blues. It's the captain. Nah. I know what's wrong with the Blues. They're not playing as a team. When they make passes, they pass into each other's skates. I know what's wrong with the Blues. They look like crap on the power play. The second power play unit sucks. Look who's on it. They were practicing yesterday with Saboka and Berglund on it. Vince Dunn's down there. Steen's on the point. I, I don't like Alexander Steen on the point of the power play. It's got issues. That's why the Blues suck. That's why they're struggling to win. I mean, they're, I think they're 28th or 29th in power play percentage in the league. Teams that finish 28th or 29th converting power plays don't make the playoffs, period. I, I don't have any numbers in front of me because I'm driving in my car. You might hear the background sound, but the, there's no way teams that finish routinely 28th, 29th, 30th, who knows, make the playoffs that often. That's It's plain and simple. So here's what the Blues need to do. They need to get some wins. They definitely must beat the Kings. If they don't beat the Kings, it's going to be a little bit harder. I know they still have, what, like 18, 19 games left on the schedule as I record this. Beating the Kings in, regula- in regulation is huge. Huge. If they do that, they might get a little bounce. They might be able to gain some momentum, carry it over. They don't, then that game against Anaheim, you know, you might see some sleepwalking. You might see some guys spending a few sunny days in Southern California and say, you know what, this hockey stuff is almost over. The golf course is not that far away. Ah, I can kind of mail it in from here on out. I don't want to see that. I hope I don't see that. If I see that, I hope they make some major changes, even more changes than they could make this summer. Uh, last thing, Jay Bomeister. I did find it disheartening that some fans were celebrating the fact that Bomeister is hurting out for the rest of the year. Hip hip issue, hip surgery, out four to six months, which means he won't be healthy during the buyout window, which is fine because you know what? This sounds like a degenerative thing, maybe arthritis, maybe something where he's going to have to have a hip replacement surgery in the not-too-distant future. NHL players do not have hip issues. If NHL players that have hip issues retire. So there is a decent chance, I think, that Bo Meester ends up on long-term IR next year, maybe for the duration of the season, maybe a situation like the Hawks who have learned season after season, you can hide a guy in long-term IR. Hello, Marion Hosa and your fake injury. You might find a situation where they figure out how to wait a way to get $5.3 million in cap relief. They'll still have to pay him. He'll still collect it. He won't retire. Why would you turn down $5.3 million and not have to play? But they might be able to put him in long-term IR for the whole season, feel bad for him, maybe keep him around hanging out at practice, take him on a few road trips, go out to dinner, yada, yada, yada. Thank you for the $5.3 million in cap relief combined with Paul Stasny's $7 million, and you're looking at significant cap space this summer and the ability to make some major changes on the roster. Ah, that's intriguing. I, I I kind of am anxious to see what happens this summer. So, yeah, I don't know. The season's not over, but, man, 
you struggle on these three games out in California, and we might be uh, we might be writing the eulogy and and talking about what what could have happened uh, next week. So we'll see. Uh, let's play some games and, and find out what happens, and then the Blues are back next week. And hopefully, hopefully you sample the ga- the fan the fan run paper here with Game Time. Our website stlouisgametime.com. I'm Brad Leaf. Check us out on Twitter. Facebook. We don't have an Instagram. You know, we're not kids, but, uh, you know, check us out everywhere else. Appreciate you listening. Thanks. Uh, and let's go blues. Uh, back to you guys. Great stuff as always. And again, I can't tell you guys if you haven't had, if you haven't read one or you haven't had an opportunity to even look at one, make sure you check it out. Again, they do a tremendous job. They are, they're articles that you're not going to find in the, in the STL today. Okay. They're different kinds of articles, things that make you really think you're not going to agree with all of them. So don't go into it thinking that, but that's what I love about them is it is just fun. I mean, you can have a good time with it and really do uh, some outside the box thinking. So special thanks to them as well. Uh, want to thank again, all of our social media partners. Um, couldn't do the show without all the help we get from guys like Mick Light with Art City Sports. Make sure you check them out. St. Louis Blues Fans Unite, St. Louis Hockey Memes, and, and of course, everything STL Sports. Guys, we appreciate you so much and everything you do for the show when you share us on social media. It means so much to us. Speaking of that, make sure you find us uh, on Twitter at NHL Show, at STL Blues Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us online at bluesnhlpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show, do your shopping through Amazon. It uh, doesn't cost you anything. We get a very small referral. helps us with production costs. Um, again, uh, we do appreciate it greatly. Our big ask, though, is to find us on Facebook. Simply type in Blues NHL Podcast. Like our Facebook page. Then we're going to ask you to click invite your friends. Scroll through your friends list. Anybody that's a Blues fan, we'd encourage you to, uh, to invite them to like the page as well. Let's get them involved in the conversation. Uh, lineupmedia.fm, fastest growing podcast on the company on the planet, folks. And let me tell you, uh, Yo Radio, uh, I, they're testing it around the office right now. It's tremendous. You guys are going to love it. You can Google it, check it out. Um, it's almost ready to go full steam. Check them out, lineupmedia.fm. They take your entertainment time very serious. Our producers, Brian Crock, Andrew Allen, everything they do behind the scenes, thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you guys. And again, I want to thank my uh, my longtime friend and, uh, and and McKendry hockey coach, and of course, tax planner Tommy Brown for all he does for the show. Tommy, thanks for coming in today and not leaving me all alone, bud. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I was hoping Gary would make it, but uh, well, you did a great job today. You were more vocal today. I think our fans like a more vocal butter. Yeah, they do. All right, they like a more vocal butter. I think right. it's awesome. Well, I try to throw my two cents in, but you get, you get Jamie and Gary going. It's it's tough to get well, in. Well, it's tough. And let me tell you, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, if you have not listened to the show for Monday with Tony Twist, it's a must listen. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. It's, I, you... I, it's the best one we've ever done. There's no doubt about it. And the fan reaction would say so. Uh, and to be honest, you can watch it. It is on our Facebook page, Blues NHL Podcast. You can watch it because we Facebook lived it. And I got to tell you. He is a character, man. He is an absolute character. So you may you, need to be seventeen and above to. Well, to watch it's it. an interesting. Yeah, it's it's podcasting. You know? <laughs> he even said so. He's like, man, I, you know. But yeah, it's it, it is it is it's got an adult flavor to it. But let me tell you, good stuff. If you haven't watched it, go to our Facebook page, Blues NHL Podcast, and watch it. Because again, and I don't. If you're like, well, I listened to it. I'm telling you to oh, watch it. Watch it. Yep. Absolutely. It, did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something. Okay. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for being with us. I leave you with a Let's Go Blues. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.